this message is from Living Rock Church, and we trust you'll be really equipped, envisioned, and encouraged as you listen today. I want to just uh, take the opportunity while we're talking about testimony, and while the emphasis this morning has been about what we say, to talk about our testimony, and to talk about how in Mark, um, we uh, are sort of halfway through Mark's gospel, Mark um, 10 to 12 is where we are next, but I just want to look back a little bit at Mark 1 to 9, and look at um, the impact of the testimony of what Jesus did in people's lives. You know, testimony is a powerful thing, isn't it? If you are standing in a court of law, one witness's testimony could determine another person's future, could determine whether they are freed or whether they're imprisoned, whether they're free to enjoy life or whether they face punishment. Testimony of one person can affect the outcome of another person's life. And I want to say this morning, our testimony can affect and change the lives of those around us. Testimony is a powerful thing. And um, the, if you go right to the beginning of Mark's gospel, you'll see that it begins with somebody bringing a testimony. There's a messenger with a message. We have a great message, but far too often it gets stuck with the messenger. And um, we, get, uh, we, we, we often get post for, uh, we live on 72 Hunkett Road, and we often get post for whoever lives at 72 Coventry Road. And um, a lot of mail for them comes to us. And, you know, the responsible thing for us to do is to make sure that that mail gets to them. Rather than say, well, you know, bad luck, and we make a point of going out of our way to deliver it to their house. And they're always very grateful when we do it. You know what? Something's come to us that isn't just for us, it's for others. And the responsible thing is not to hold on to it, but to share it and to let people know about it. And John the Baptist is bursting with this testimony, with this message. He's a messenger with a message that burns inside of him that he just can't contain. He declares. And in Mark 1, verse 2, this is prophetic description that Isaiah gives of this man who's going to follow him 800 years, or 750 years, 800 years later. He's talking about this person. He's, and he says this, Behold, I send my messenger. And that word messenger is the word angelos, from which we get the word angel. Ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Isaiah saw this prophet, this one who would come and prepare the way. You know, at the end of uh, the Old Testament in Malachi, the last, uh, the last chapter of Malachi, um, the last book and the last chapter of the Old Testament, is prophetically declaring about an Elijah who will come before the great and terrible day of the Lord. Malachi is prophesying 400 BC, and who is he prophesying about? Who is this Elijah that he's prophesying about? It's John the Baptist. But you know what? John the Baptist, if you like, doesn't, the, the, the ministry of John the Baptist didn't die when John the Baptist sadly had his head removed from his shoulders. It continues today. The church is here to be the John, John the Baptist, to, to, to declare the way of the Lord. And when we read in this verse, it says that he will send a messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, make ready, or other versions say prepare the passage, make straight the route of travel, the way of the Lord, make his path straight. 
In ancient Eastern times, whenever a king was going to go on a journey of any distance, people would go ahead of him to prepare the roadways. And they'd lift up any lowered areas, and they'd lower any raised areas, and they'd put bridges in place. They'd do everything that was necessary to get the king from where he was to where the king wanted to be. They had the privilege of preparing the way for the king. How much more so for us? That as we share the testimony, as we share the message that God has given us, we prepare the way, the the road, the path, if you like, for Jesus into people's lives. What an incredible privilege we have. That's the power of our testimony. We are preparers of the way. Just as John the Baptist was, we too are preparers of the way. Um, I saw this, this clip on, on YouTube, and it, I think it went around on Facebook as well. And it's uh, by, uh, does anybody heard of Penn and Teller, the, the double act, Penn and Teller? Magicians, uh, magici- magicians, <laughs> magicians. And uh, I think his name is Penn Gillette, or, or, yeah, Penn Gillette, is a staunch atheist, Okay, and uh, we'll be very straight about his his uh, atheism. But there's a there's a he's put something up on one of his blogs uh, or a vlog, and I just thought it'd be interesting for us to see it. And he talks about being proselytized, which just basically means somebody sharing their faith, evangelizing. And I, I just like to watch this. He rambles a bit, and it's about four or five minutes long. But I really appreciate the impact that one person has on this man's life. That's challenging, isn't it? That's from an atheist. And he's saying, people who believe in Christ, people who believe in eternal life, why wouldn't they be telling me about it? Almost, I don't respect people that believe it, but wouldn't tell me. I think, wow, what a challenge. The times when I've held back because I'm afraid of what that person might think, and then he comes and says, you know, if if I'm somebody standing in front of a truck and is going to hit them and they don't believe it, but I know, at some point I'm going to tackle them. At some point, I'm going to have to do something. You know, we're talking about how significant and powerful our testimony is. And we see in Mark's gospel that, that John the Baptist is passionate about sharing this testimony, sharing the good news about Jesus coming. And then if you turn to Mark 1, verse 45, actually before that, verse 28, Jesus has cast somebody who has an evil spirit. They've been possessed by an evil spirit and he's in the synagogue in verse 23 and he's shouting and he shouts at Jesus. In verse 25, Jesus cut him short and said, be quiet, come out of the man, he ordered. At that, the evil spirit screamed, threw the man into a convulsion and came out of him. And it goes on to say, verse 28, the news about Jesus spread quickly throughout the entire region of Galilee. Why? Because he he was telling his testimony. And then in verse 45, we find a man who's been healed with leprosy in uh, Mark 1.45. And Jesus, as we've said before, strictly tells him, don't tell anyone about this. But verse 45, what does the man do? He went out and he spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. He couldn't keep it to himself. The testimony was too good. You know, when we talk about this, the, the wall, it's about these testimonies of God's goodness and what God has done and the power of God and the love of God that the world needs to hear about it. And as they do, they'll be caught in amazement and the crowds begin to gather. A way was prepared for the Lord. Acts 2 verse 1 goes on to say then that as Jesus goes on to Capernaum just a few days later, news spread quickly that he was back home and the house he was staying in was packed with visitors. And then in Mark 3 verse 8, Jesus is moving on into the region 
uh, into Jeru- uh, Jerusalem and, and that area, and people come and visit him. And the news of his miracles had spread far and wide, and vast numbers of people came to see him. The news spread because why? People give testimony of what he was doing. And then Mark 5, Jesus has healed a man who's possessed by a legion of demons. And Jesus has delivered him, and the man is there, and he said, the Bible says that he was sane, he was in his right mind, he was dressed after being this, this in a sense, madman who lived among the, among the graveyards. And Jesus is about to get into the boat, and the man begs him to go with him in verse 18 of Mark 5. But Jesus says this, and this is what he says to us, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you, and how merciful he has been. So the man started off to visit the ten towns of the region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. What has Jesus done for you? What are the things that Jesus has done for you? Just begin to consider them. You know, we're we're told, aren't we, to remind ourselves of the blessings of God, to forget not all of his benefits, to have testimonies and, and the thoughts of answered prayer and the things that God has done. To You know, one of the things that I really appreciate about this wall is it will cause people to go back and think about the goodness of God Amen. and remind themselves of the things that God has done. And I believe this, as you start to, to think about that, it begins to unlock other memories of other answers to prayer. Right. And as we remember these things, those are the times, the things that we should tell other people about. When I used to work in a, uh, as a physiotherapist and I would be in, in the staff room at lunchtime, people used to talk about all sorts of nonsense. I mean, I'd get the backstory to the last three weeks of Coronation Street or EastEnders or Emmerdale or all three. Somebody else would come in and pitch in about their horoscope and, and what their horoscope says. And I'm sitting there with the truth to eternal life and who Jesus Christ is. And I'm sitting quietly thinking, I don't want to offend anybody. <laughs> but you know what? We've got so much to share. So many of the good things that God has done. Just um, when I was uh, at the gym recently, and a guy was there with, with heel pain. He had plantar fasciitis, which is a, uh, a condition where that affects you, your heel or the sole of your foot and makes it difficult to walk and, and very difficult to run. And I, and I said to him, you know what? I suffered with plantar fasciitis for a few years, and I, I had steroid injections, and I, I was a physio, and I, tr- I tried to treat myself, and it didn't work. Do you know what helped me? I said, it was God. I prayed, and God healed me. And I said, and God can heal your heel. Can I pray for you? And it's as simple as that. And he said, yeah, that would be great. He didn't say, oi, weirdo, get out. Who are you? It's just a simple thing of sharing your story of what God has done in your life. And it's powerful. It is really powerful. You know, people need to hear from us. We cannot be quiet. We need to share our testimony. We need to share the message. I want to talk a little bit about my family. Um, my, I, I'm very blessed to come from a, a family that are pretty much completely born again. But, um, how long ago? Probably, th- well, when I, just before I was born, actually, um, only my great-grandfather was a Christian. Nobody else in my family was a believer. And, um, and so I, I need some volunteers to come and help me tell this story. So firstly, I need a Christian bloke. Richard, you are a Christian bloke. I've got some else for you, Tony. I've got my nan. <laughs> and I need a lady. Actually, you could be. Now, they didn't get married. Yeah. <laughs> she was a non-Christian lady at the time. My auntie Carol, okay? My dad's sister, Carol Roberts. And um, my auntie, uh, when she was 21, had her first daughter, Joanna. 
And when she held Joanna in her arms, she thought, you know what, this is a miracle. And a lot of people recognize something is incredible when, when they literally are holding new life in their arms. She thought, there must be a God. And that didn't leave her for a few years. And then one day in Merthyr Tidville, um, a guy comes along, a Christian bloke, and he knocks the door. And my Auntie Carol answers the door. And he just says to her, I'm from a local church, and I just want to talk about um, what it is to be a Christian. What do you think it means to be a Christian? And he just started to talk to her about his faith. It wasn't a very long conversation, but she says, even now, 41 years on, or 42 years on, she can remember every word of it. Holy Spirit's just kept it. It's locked in her memory, in her heart. And they, they chatted, and uh, she said thank you for the conversation. She didn't make a decision there or then. She closed the door. But from that point, her interest was piqued. And she went to my grandmother and she asked for a Bible. She was the only person that she knew in the family that had a Bible. So she went and she got a Bible from my nan and she started to read John's Gospel. And as she read it, she read about Jesus and she said, I started to fall head over heels in love with Jesus. That's how she describes it. She said, and then I started to read the Psalms. And when I read Psalm 27 verse 5... She said, I, I got to that psalm. She said, bearing in mind, I wasn't a Christian, had no church background. Sorry, Psalm 25, verse 7. And she said, I prayed this prayer to God. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful forever. She said, that was my sinner's prayer. I read that, the Holy Spirit highlighted it to me, and I prayed it, I knew God had forgiven me. She was born again. And my uncle, that she was married to, 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 uh, to her husband, weirdly, uh, well, you can be Dave. Actually, be the Christian man, because it's getting weird. You can come with Dave now. Yeah. It's much more appropriate. There you go. Uh, hello, Dave. My uncle was called Dave the Mod, all right? He was a proper wide boy. And their marriage was good, but he started to feel quite insecure because... All Carol started to talk about was this bloke called Jesus. And he was getting quite worried about it. And she was talking about how wonderful he was and, and how amazing he is and, and how her life has changed. And he watched her for a period of time, about a year, and realized that you can't kid anybody that you live with. You can only put something on for so long. But she had been transformed by this prayer that she'd prayed. She hadn't even gone to church yet, but she was reading the Bible. She had her own faith. And Dave witnessed the change in her. So she said, look, there's, a, there's an American evangelist, American preacher who's come to town. Would you come along with me to hear what he has to say? And to her amazement, he said, yes. And sure enough, she went. And she'd never been in a meeting like this before. And then she said, the man preached about Jesus. And then he invited people to respond at the end. And Dave got up and walked to the front and gave his life to Jesus there. And she was blown away. They were both saved. And the transformation in them had a huge impact, particularly on my dad, who is Carol's brother, Ian. My dad's name is Ian. And um, you can come and be Ian Tony. It's confusing when you use different names, isn't it? And um, when I was born, 41 years ago, my mother was um, really ill during the birth, and, uh, and I wasn't very well either. And my dad had prayed. I was born on a Saturday evening, just, after my, just in time for the final scores, the football. And... Um, I was quite sick, and, and that, and my mum, my mum particularly was 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 ill. And my dad prayed that night. He said, "God, if you make, if you look after my my wife and my little boy, I'll go to church the next time I get a chance." The next morning, my auntie rang him up to say, "Could you give me a lift to the local Baptist church?" 
And uh, my dad said, yeah, he would. My auntie was amazed again that he was. And she said, will you come with me? And he said, yes, I will. And so he went to the meeting. And uh, he, uh, he went to the meeting. And above the, the back of the, the, above the, the, the stage here was the three words, Jesus is Lord. And he said he read that and it hit him. Jesus is Lord. I need to do something about this. And they'd seen the changes. So he and my mum, Julia, you can play my mum. Here you go. So this is 41 years ago now. <laughs> Thanks, ma'am. <laughs> they met with Dave and Carol over the next few months and kept asking them questions. And, and then finally, the pastor of the church that they were now going to an Elim Pentecostal church in Merthyr Tidville called Jerusalem, very confusing, Jerusalem in Merthyr Tidville, um, went, a guy called David Kilpatrick, and he prayed and led my parents to Christ. The transformation in Dave and Carol and in my parents was, was phenomenal. And um, my uh, dad's, my granddad's sister, we call her Auntie Catherine. Rosanna, you can play Auntie Catherine, so I'm not offending anybody else. Rosanna is clearly young enough to get away with this, all right? <laughs> my Auntie Catherine saw the changes. Now, does anybody, I don't know if you've heard of the Aberfan disaster. Yes. It was a landslide in South Wales, and it was devastating, and it wiped out a school. And my Auntie Catherine was a, a district nurse, and she worked in the area, and she was literally on site pulling these children out, um, dead bodies out, and, and having to um, you know, say who they were. And, um, and, and it, it had traumatized her to the point where she was completely um, just pulled apart by the whole thing. It broke her heart, devastated her. But I never knew her during that phase. I only knew the born-again version. And she just went around singing everywhere she went. Like, embarrassingly so, but she was full of joy. And what happened was, she got saved. She saw the changes here, she gave her life to Jesus, and she was healed of this devastation that had impacted her life in such a negative way. She was born again, and it transformed her. And I only knew this woman who was godly, who prayed. I mean, when we were in uh, uh, the Sunday morning meetings, my Nautily, my friends and I sometimes used to sit there, and somebody would get up to pray. We'd have an imaginary filing cabinet that we'd pull out, and if it was a particularly long prayer, we'd kind of make a note of it and we'd put it in our imaginary filing cabinet and put it away for the next time. My Auntie Catherine was definitely a record holder there. But she loved Jesus. And um, because of the changes that took place in Dave and Carol and my parents, Ian and Jill, my grandmother, Joyce, got saved. Sarah, you can play Nan. And um, again, bearing in mind, not any Christian links at all. But she saw the changes that took place in my family and in my parents, my auntie and uncle, and Joyce gave her life to God. And, um, and then once this had happened, my dad's, my dad's got a, a sister, Carol, and he's got a brother, John. John was like, John and Jen, his wife, they were being gunned for now, okay? The family were after them, <laughs> the taffia. And... Um, these guys lived in Merthyr Tidville. My, my, aunt, my, my uncle is a, is a GP. Uh, my auntie is a headmistress. And they, they moved to Jersey. They live in St. Helier. And they were over there. And uh, Dave and Carol and my parents and my grandmother were out to get them. Okay? And my grandmother um, knew that Dave and Carol were going over to visit John and Jen over in Jersey. And she gave them some literature. There was a really good booklet uh, and a Bible that she wanted them to give. You can kind of get away with it when it's your mum, can't you? And uh, they, they took that. And over the period of the next few months, 
um, with my dad constantly pursuing them as well, they both gave their lives to Jesus. Um, so, Jay Maria, would you be John and Jen? That'd be all right. So over in Jersey, now this is about five years on from this point, John and Jen, they give their lives to Jesus. Added to that, got my, uh, my sisters and my cousins, so Dave and Carol's children, John and Jen's children, and my parents' children. <laughs> you can hold that there, that's it. All give our lives to Jesus. So now there's one person who's in particularly big trouble, that's my granddad, Ike, okay? <laughs> and my grandfather was a, this is, this is, this, Merthyr Tidville is labor land, politically, okay? This is how stubborn my granddad is. He was a staunch Tory. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the conservative club. I'm amazed they even built one in Merthyr Tidville. And he was, he was a staunch Tory. I mean, you didn't tell him what to do. He was six foot four, he was a boxer, ex-military, minor. Um, he was a big, big guy. Um, but he, and, and he was also a Freemason. So he was a business and a Freemason, staunch Tory. I mean, come on, as if he's going to get saved. But you know what they did? Or you know what God did? He sent these in, the grandchildren. That's kryptonite. And we used to say, Dad, are you coming to church with us today? He was like, no, boy, I'm going to the conservative club. But he witnessed, he could not deny the changes, particularly that he saw in my nan, what he was hearing from John and Jen, what he was seeing in Dave and Carol and in my parents and in our lives as, as, um, as his grandchildren uh, who had all made our own decisions. He couldn't deny there was something in us. And what we didn't know was he kept hiding it from us. God kept revealing himself to him. He kept praying and miracles would happen. Little things would happen. God would speak to him. And the conservative club is literally directly opposite Elim Church. So one, uh, one, once an evening, it was a Sunday evening meeting, my grandfather parked in the church car park, walked over to the conservative club, said, guys, just to let you know, I won't be coming here anymore. I've given my life to Jesus. If you want to see me, I'll be in the church opposite. And my grandfather got saved. So you can play Big Ike, Chris. Yes. <laughs> During this time and over the next, next few years, my mum's parents, Philip and Anne, um, were proving quite hard nuts to crack. But, we, but well, there was a lot of prayer going up for them. And um, when I was about 13, my, my grandfather was diagnosed with a brain tumour. And I'm so glad that at that time, my parents and we were around to be able to lead him to the Lord. And uh, before he died, he gave his life to Jesus. And there was, uh, and, and in him doing that, my, my grandmother, my mom's mom, she also gave her life to Jesus as well. And uh, John, would you mind coming, John and Joe? Not that you're ever remotely old enough to be my grandparents, but. <laughs> Thank you. And then my Auntie Linda, my mum's sister, she also uh, got saved. Uh, Dave's parents, he led them to the Lord before they died. My nan led her mum, my great nana, to the Lord before she died. And um, Dave and Carol, along with my parents, then led the church in Merthyr Tidville, which grew from a small group of people of about four or five people to a church of about 150 people. John and Jen are uh, elders of a church in Jersey. And then my dad, 
an elder of the church from Merthyr to Leicester, and Dave and Carol are now in Grand Rapids, and here I am. <laughs> and you know what? I, I have no idea how many, my, 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 Dave and Carol, if you know them, are incredibly prophetic, but incredibly evangelistic. My dad and my mum are incredibly evangelistic. John and Jen are really evangelistic. So I don't know how many people have been saved as a result, direct result of them. But if you bear in mind then, those that have been saved that have led others to Christ, and you think of the impact that that's had. And it all started from one man knocking a door one afternoon. It was in Merthyr Tidville, let's face it, it was probably drizzling. (laughs) And he stood there, And he shared a simple testimony with a lady who, at the time, he has no idea what he's sown. I'm blown away by that. He has no idea, well, unless God has revealed him, he has no idea what his one little conversation with a lady in 1974, the impact that that has had. The power of our testimony. We don't always see the results of it, but just look at this. And this represents, I believe, thousands of lives that have been transformed by receiving Christ Jesus. This is a powerful thing that we're talking about. My Uncle John, um, my, my family, are con- we constantly talk about this as a family because it's just like, it's, it's part of our heritage and, and we're so grateful that somebody did that. I don't know his name, but I can't wait to meet him in heaven. I'm gonna, he's gonna, you know, once I'm, I don't know whether I'll be able to break away from worshiping Jesus, but if I get the chance, I'm gonna go and find him, okay? <laughs> and say thank you. Um, but my Uncle John was, was praying one time and he was just he was just so amazed by what God had done what I love about my auntie Jen was she got a book and uh, my uncle John made his own decision and my auntie Jen made her own decision and they didn't realize each other had made a decision until they told each other okay and my auntie Jen had written um, her name in pencil in the back of the prayer just in case she wanted to rub it out the next day <laughs> but God took what faith she had and she was she, she's transformed and um, my Uncle John was praying, and he, he was asking God what happened. And God took him to a vision that he had of my great-grandfather, my, my granddad's dad, with his, on his knees, with his head bowed, praying in a chapel in South Wales for future generations. And God said to him, that's what's happened. The impact of your grandfather's prayers has produced this. You know what? I just want to say, our prayers are powerful. Our testimony is powerful. We must not forget how significant it is that we share our testimony, that we share our faith, and that we pray for those who aren't saved. Let's give a round of applause for our wonderful volunteers. Thank you. Thank you. Cheers, thank you. Just turn to Romans 10 in, in, in closing. So I hope we're encouraged by the significance of our testimony. Yeah. Romans 10, verse 8. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. 
As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want to say this morning, if you've never done this, today is the day to call on the Lord. To believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and to confess with your mouth to say, Jesus, your Lord, giving my life to you, Lord. And know that as you do, you're saved. You're saved. You're made right with God. But listen to this, verse 14. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news, for Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. You know what? This morning, we're being sent. We've got a message to go with. And that as we go, that as we tell, people will hear. And not everybody will respond. But those who are ready to respond, when they hear, will believe. And when they believe, will confess. And when they confess, they'll go out and they'll tell. And that is how the church grows. That is how the kingdom is extended. That is the significance and the power of our testimony. In 1 Peter 3, it says this, verse 15. Worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then if people speak against you, they will be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. You know, in that video clip, one thing that guy said, Penn said, was he was a good man. You know what? You are good people. We are good people. When people are good, they earn the right to speak. They have respect from others. You have respect of the people around you. You have the respect to be able to share your Christian hope, to be ready to do it with, do you know what I love about this? With gentleness and respect. That's how God wants us to share our hope. And when he says be ready, it means be constantly prepared. Has anybody ever here got an A-level or a GCSE or a degree? Raise your hand if you've got some sort of academic qualification. How many of you think that if you sat that same exam right now, I put that paper in front of you, that you would pass? Not a chance. That is not the kind of prepared that Peter is talking about. He's talking about the sort of preparation where you train physically, you exercise, so that if somebody says to you, you need to go for a three-mile run in this time, you're ready to do it. When I was a physiotherapist, I used to sometimes, one of the questions you'd ask is, how physically active are you? And, I, you know, often people say, oh, well, I was in the school hockey team or I was in the school football team. I'm like, yeah, that's great, but you're 57. <laughs> that won't do you any good now. <laughs> to be prepared means that you're prepared now, that you're continuing to be prepared. And that's the type of preparation, that's the type of readiness that Peter is talking about. You know what, I, my, my desire this morning is that we've been inspired by the wall, inspired by the, the, the scriptures, that our testimony is powerful. That God wants us to be free to share it with all people and to know that as we do, people will believe that Jesus is Lord and that he's alive. Can we stand together, please? One thing we haven't done is the tithes and offerings.
That's right, isn't it? Other than that, I think we've, we're done. But, but I'd um, just like us to, to just stand for a moment. And, you know, all of this, God doesn't want us to share our faith because somebody's twisted our arm to do it. God wants us to share our faith because our hearts are full with a love for people and an appreciation for what God has done for us. If, if our hearts are full of those things, then, then sharing our testimony will be easy. And, uh, and sometimes I believe that, that heart for the lost, that's, that's a prayer that I, I often ask that, that God would increase my love for the lost, my compassion for the lost. And if you're willing this morning to open your heart to the Lord, open your heart to the Holy Spirit, who would love this morning to give us a, a fresh love for the lost, a fresh love for him and a fresh love for the lost, and with it a desire to tell others about him. Let's just open our hearts to him right now. Lord God, thank you. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for the power of our testimony. I want to thank you, Lord, this morning for hundreds of testimonies in this room of your goodness. Lord, testimonies of salvation, Lord. Testimonies of healing. Testimonies of provision. Testimonies of strength and hope and wisdom and and all sorts of other things, Lord. Thank you, God, that you're a faithful God. And Lord, this morning, we are grateful to you and thankful to you. And Lord, I pray right now that you would fill our hearts with a fresh love, Lord, for the lost. The Lord, that you'd give us a fresh compassion for those who don't yet know you. The Lord, that that would drive us to share our testimony. That would drive us to speak about you, Jesus. That would cause us to overcome at times the feeling of being self-conscious or awkward, Lord. But Lord, there'll be a love for them that would overflow, that would cause us to speak, Lord, about your goodness and about the truth of the gospel and about what you've done in our lives, Lord. Lord, thank you for each person here. And Holy Spirit, I ask right now, give us a fresh love, we pray, for the lost, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you so loved the world that you gave your only son. Lord, fill our hearts with that love, I pray, this, this morning, Lord. In Jesus' name, thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Well, God is good. You have a great testimony. The world needs to hear it. And Jesus is Lord. And um, please take some of these uh, wall flyers and uh, we pray that Richard knows the the strength of God and the wisdom of God as he's going around promoting. Um, Nothing else to do other than to bring our tithes and offerings. Once we've done that, we'll break for tea and coffee and fellowship. Have a really blessed day. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening today. For more information about Living Rock Church and for more great teaching, please visit www.livingrockchurch.org.uk.